The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am joined by my co-host, Evan. How's it going, Evan? I'm wonderful. Um, you are not Dave. I'm not Dave. That's uh and that's Quite okay. Evident. It's not. I mean, it's not okay because I'm sad that he's not here. But I'm happy that you're here. Well, thank you, thank you. So he's out this weekend. He's uh, having he, a good time. Um, I think he went to L.A. Yeah, he's enjoying his birthday. And I'm in town from L.A. Uh, happy birthday, Dave! I can that's never the find button. the sound effect. That's close. Wait, wait, wait. This no. is it. This is it. Ready? Happy birthday, Dave! There it is. Kind of like the spring better. Yeah. Happy birthday. That's not. No, it. I can't you're find so the. So bad at this. That's there the one. That's the one. I'm joined by you, Evan, another very, very good friend of mine. We go way, way back. Way, way, way back. Um, you're you're in Los Angeles now. I'm in L.A. Uh, as of like three months ago, but I'm a Miami native. Yes, indeed. Um, and I'm happy to be back in Miami. My family's here, so that's why I'm here. Um, and I'm also playing a, a few shows with a couple bands. So yeah, um, you should tell people a little bit about you, like because you know you got some, you got a lot of music industry bona fides. So I, you know, you're going to provide a great perspective to the stuff we'll be talking about. I wouldn't go that far. I I know what it's like to be a struggling musician and songwriter. How about that? That's and I like it. I've produced a bunch of records. Um, you haven't heard any of them, and I'll tell you where to find them all. You can put it in the show notes. Well, do it live. I don't know how to make show notes work. Show notes. Where can people find your music? Um, the most recent one I did is a band called Juke. Um, I played guitar for them and musical director uh, for the last eight years or so. And I produced the last record. We recorded it live. Um, you can go to jukepostblues.com. And uh, it's all there for free. It's really easy to get a hold of. Yeah. And they have a couple other albums out, too, that I didn't produce. And I think I played on one or two of them. But, uh, yeah, there's some really great stuff on there. Right on, right on. Um, that's a really good uh, example of, of doing an album on a budget because we spend zero dollars doing it. <laughs> oh, so high budget, big big budget album. Yeah, then. big zero dollar budget. <laughs> big zero. Um, if you want to find good ways to uh, get in contact with us here on the podcast, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K A I R. You can also email the podcast at breakthebusiness at gmail dot com. Um, you have a Twitter, don't you? I don't know if you check it. Technically, I look today. I have more followers than you do. That's not that I'm, much of an achievement. Well, it's not bragging that hard. You know, yeah. I'm at the Big Tasty, but at the Big Tasty, yeah, the Big Tasty doesn't tweet that often. But he's really—you he, should follow him because when he does tweet, damn. Oh my god, yeah, it's like it's like um, it's earth shattering. Earth, yeah, just yeah, shatters earths. <laughs> so you want to be there when he does his, you know, every two years tweet. <laughs> You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and rate and review us on those sites. Um, I know it doesn't seem like much to just, you know, click those little five hearts. Yeah, that's right. Five hearts on none of that four heart crap. <laughs> we don't need that to vote. on iTunes. It, I know it doesn't seem like much, but that stuff actually does help. It you know, moves us up the iTunes rankings. We got that new and noteworthy oh, designation. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Yeah. That's, that's pretty. That was pretty neat. Pretty baller. Um, and that was because of the support folks like you were given. So please help us out. Uh, this uh, oh, I should also mention we have a guest coming up in the next segment. Way to go, um, uh, Nashville country artist Kelly Seidel. Um, we've been listening to her EP, her new self-titled EP. We love it, right? Man, that sounds good. Yeah, it's great it's stuff. Top Nashville players, and it's fantastic production and great songs. She's yeah. doing it right. Right. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about that process, how she put that together. 
Because there are a lot of indie artists out there who are still kind of in the early stages of their content creation, making YouTube videos, doing little home performances, which, by the way, not knocking. And there are many artists who can make a lot of money just doing those videos. Just doing those videos. Right. But if you're ready to make take the next step and you know do a professional recording project in the studio, um, we're going to talk to Kelly and find out more about how to do that. And so stick around if you're one of those artists. I don't know why I say stick around as if people can like turn their dials to something else. Don't hit the pause button (laughs) and just continue listening to this. Also, we're not going to give you a timestamp as to when that happens. So you're going to have to listen to get there. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, none of that stuff. This is the long con. We get to talk first. That's right. You have to (laughs) listen to us talk about YouTube Red. Oh, God. That's what we're going to talk about this week. I don't like the name. How about that? Yeah, I'm going to get to that. So um, YouTube is changing their terms of service to create a subscription tier to their um, product. So starting October 28th, okay. which will probably be around the time this podcast gets up, give or take. Wow, you're slow. What's today? Actually, don't. The 24th. Okay. So no, I'll get. I'll, I'll be in way before the 28th. This okay, will probably good. be coming up uh, like the 20th. Uh, you know what? When it comes up, it com- comes up when it comes up. How about okay. that? Tweet it. So, exactly. <laughs> right. Um so YouTube, you know, YouTube has always been free. Yeah. And many indie artists, in fact, all artists should be using YouTube to get their content out there. That's it's what Brooke said. He was like, if it's not on YouTube, it doesn't exist. That's right. And it's, it's 100% true. It's the number one streaming service in the world. It's giving you worldwide content distribution to 1.3 billion people for free. For free. Which 20 years ago would have cost you um, $30 trillion. Yeah. And now it's completely free. And that's adjusted for inflation. That's, that's right. Awesome. You know, you got, yeah, you got, you know. Gross domestic product, consumer price index, all that good stuff. Stop using acronym. <laughs> um, and it's always been a completely f- free platform. Now what they're doing is creating YouTube Red, which is a subscription tier, $9.99 a month. Um, if you pay that, you can get free, no ads-free listening. You can listen background, which means you can actually close the app on your iPhone and still listen to music the same way you would like on iTunes or one of those programs. So that's kind of neat. I really like that feature. Yeah. I I like Google. I like that they've for so long they've been doing so much and you feel like you're not you know you're not contributing to this thing because oh Google's free and Gmail is awesome and I get what how many gigs of storage in my I don't empty my email box who gives a shit. And then you YouTube they're storing an unbelievable amount of data on their servers, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's always been free and ad supported and I always felt like that's how Google was going to ride out into the sunset like that. You know, they could just do it for free forever. So the idea that they're doing a subscription service kind of caught me off guard. Yeah. Um, um, I, I should say before, um, and the other, the other piece of this subscription service um, is that there's going to be some, a limited amount of exclusive content that are only available to YouTube Red subscribers. They're creating about, they're kind of doing like a Netflix thing. There's going to be YouTube specific shows that you can only get if you subscribe to the tier but 99% of YouTube is still going to be free. That's what they've always said. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they say. Well, I, I was trying to think like, oh, well, the, what are they going to take away? And I'm like, well, actually, I bought a Simpsons episode on YouTube once. So I know there's 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 exclusive paid content on mm-hmm. there. So that's not different. But I feel like even if you're in the $9.99 subscription package, there's still like you're not going to get to watch all the Simpsons episodes on YouTube. Right. You're still going to have to buy those. Yeah, th- those might still be a, a separate payment. I mean, we'll see when it comes out. Yeah, it's interesting. It uh, makes me a little nervous, but cautiously optimistic. Well, I, I I share your cautious optimism. Here's what I would say about YouTube Red. If you're going to put a subscription model into YouTube, it means there's going to be a lot more money coming into this site. YouTube is, go- is coming to play. You know, it wants to be Netflix. It wants to be Hulu. It wants to be one of these big-time content creators. 
or big time content uh, exhibitors. Yeah. And so for indie artists, if you're not on YouTube, if you're not creating things for YouTube, now is the time. Get yeah. going with it now because there's going to be, if you can, because if you can get some of those downloads from YouTube Red subscribers, you're going to get checks from YouTube. So now is the time to not only create, not only just to put your songs on YouTube as say lyric videos, but now is the time to also create some really good music video content. And, and this is, I think an area where more artists, I wish I saw more stuff from indie artists here is to create just some web series. Oh. And so what I would recommend to artists, and I, I try to, I'm trying to get more artists to do this is find an interest that you have outside of music. Do you like to cook? Do you like to paint? Do you like to crochet things? Do you, do you like to teach people how to do something? Are you good at something and you can make instructional videos? Whatever it is, build a web series around it. You can use your music as the music for the web series and create a web series audience. Make yourself, you know, a Jenna Marbles or a PewDiePie or one of these people and, you know, expand your definition of what content means. You're not just, you know, you don't just have to be a musician who makes music. Take advantage of this you know, YouTube medium that lets you post content to 1.3 billion people for free and get on this wave because there's about to be a lot of money coming into YouTube. I want to watch St. Vincent like knit an Afghan or something. I want nothing more. Than you know how many people would Saint watch that Vin- though? I know. If St. <laughs> Vincent started knitting Afghans, like she could have a house in the Hamptons right now. People would watch the crap out of that. That's amazing though, because there's always this big disconnect between the rock stars and the not rock stars. And like with the social media that we have now, like there should be no disconnect. And that is a perfect place to Mm -hmm. let people into your world. And if you're an indie artist, you really need to be dragging people into your world at every opportunity. Um, it's, It's one of the great promises of indie music. For generations, record labels were the gatekeeper between artists and their fans. Everything that artists wanted to create had to go through that label prism where labels had to say, is this cost effective? Is this profitable? Now that doesn't exist. Now there is nothing that stops an artist from talking to their fan directly and giving them content directly. You're limited only by the time that you have to create content and the content you make. Mm -hmm. And so, and you're, and you're further unbridled because you know, YouTube, you know, putting stuff on YouTube is free. You know, putting stuff on iTunes is, is free. Like distribution is free now. So, you know, but the only limit is just getting off your butt and making content. And that's tough. I'm not discounting that, but you know, I would say to artists, you know, try to make that cool web series. That seems like the next frontier. Yeah. And do it on your phone. My iPhone shoots 4k video now. What? Yeah, that's the other thing. Exactly. Like, you used to need, like, cameras and boom mics. Like, you can make videos on your iPhone. Like, you can make pretty good videos. Like, here, here's your setup for, it'll cost you less than 100 bucks. Use your iPhone camera, which shoots, like, what, 4K, 4K you said? 4K now, yeah. Right. You get a lapel mic. Yeah. And you get three 60-watt bulbs to be your three-point lighting. And, like, find a green wall and you can do green screen. Or paint a green wall. Or paint a green wall if you have. I know artists who've done this Absolutely. who painted one of their walls of their apartments green to do green screen. I'm sure their landlord's going to have them executed. But that's a tomorrow <laughs> problem. Today they're making good videos. Exactly. All right. Let's make fun of this name. Okay. So YouTube Red. <laughs> YouTube Red. What's up with that? I mean, why couldn't they just call it RedTube? That's not taking. Oh, wait. That's probably a porn yeah. site. That is actually a porn site. Okay. <laughs> I think I know what happened here. Do you? Yes. I don't believe you. Because I think I know what happened here. Because yes, you probably don't want to name your subscription tier so close to the name of a pornography site, RedTube. Good luck finding something that's not close to the name of a pornography. That's fair. Site. Everything is close. But I'm saying like that's a particularly problem. Yeah. One. But here's what I think happened. I think no. What I'm guessing is that nobody 
who was like in charge of the naming of this platform actually said, hey, this sounds like a porn site because nobody wanted to admit, admit it. <laughs> right. In a boardroom with some stuffed shirts. No. Yeah. Because like, yeah, they'll, they'll go, you know, hey, that, that kind of sounds like red tube. I don't know what you're talking about. What's red I've tube? never heard of red tube. I'm, oh, yeah. Me I'm, either. I'm a married man. I've never I, heard of red tube. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, oh, I love my Check wife. my browser history. I just deleted it. Never heard of it. <laughs> That's right. And so nobody's going to admit that they know what red tube is. So YouTube red gets but to YouTube, be the name of this. But why YouTube red? Like there's got to be a better that doesn't convey anything about it. Right. Well, I mean, it, is one of the colors of YouTube, isn't it? Red and white it's is the YouTube white, logo. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, red and yeah, it's just. What's well, better than YouTube white? Because that has different connotations. That is not. <laughs> that is. I, I could see that um, excluding some segments. <laughs> a lot of segments. Yeah, there's a, a populations of people that uh, may not feel comfortable. Why don't we just not talk about that? There, there might be some segments of the population, uh, of the white population, that might be more inclined now. Like, oh, this seems like a place where I can watch all sorts of racist content. <laughs> like, so good on you, YouTube, for not going with YouTube yeah, white. So, yeah. But you went, with the second, you went with the second worst thing, which is YouTube red. There's got to be a description on the internet somewhere of that name. We'll of get one in like three years. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get somebody on it. But... The terrible name notwithstanding, the pornographic name of this notwithstanding, there's a lot of potential with YouTube Red and and what it can mean for artists. And I know a lot of people are freaking out about the platform. Well, it's new. Yeah. And anytime you change anything on the internet, people yeah. people get mad. Oh, this is going to ruin everything. Yeah. Blah, blah, corporate. I don't blah, give blah, blah. the government the right to look at my Facebook, god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to post that Geneva Convention notice or whatever that, <laughs> yeah. oh my god. Um, yeah. Stop putting that on your wall, people. Seriously. Yeah. And so there are a lot of articles out right now that are saying, oh, YouTube Red is the devil. And we haven't even seen it up yet, but people are already saying it's evil. The questions I have are, I have a few videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I, know, I, I know as a content creator, you have to, I, you have to, I have to sign up for YouTube Red or my videos will become private. That's right. If, right. You, if, you do not, if you do not also let your content be part of YouTube Red, they'll take your videos to private. Okay, now, if... If I get a thousand views on YouTube on a video or ten thousand views of, view of of anything on on YouTube, um, I don't get money. That's not enough views, to right? Get, to get you're that not, money, you're not getting no YouTube checks. Um, They're not putting any commercials in front of that. Exactly. So, at what point? At what point before before the subscription service did they start putting commercials? At what point after the subscription service are there commercials? If somebody who's paying the nine ninety nine subscription watches my video a thousand times, I'm still not going to get any money, even though YouTube's getting ten bucks from them now. Um, you very well could. Um, the uh, if if people are watching, from my understanding of the service, and um, and I don't know what their formula is, but your your cut of the revenue is going to be determined by the amount of time that people listen to your video. Uh, so good. I guess longer videos are favored than shorter videos. Because you'll watch, you them watch longer. it once, yeah. Um, that's funny. That's a departure but, from like the three and a half minute pop song that you had to write. Now, if you write a seventeen minute fucking banger, then right. if you can get people to listen to all seventeen get, minutes, yeah, yeah. Um, it I better be interesting. I don't know how it's going to affect you know the thousand view guy. I'm guessing that he's not even going to get invited to YouTube Red until he starts monetizing. Okay, and so that's and that's, that's what, fair. And that's what YouTube is saying when they're saying ninety nine percent of the people are unaffected by what they're doing. I'm sure it's way higher than ninety nine point nine percent. Exactly. <laughs> So, like, YouTube is still going to be the repository for cute cat videos, everybody. Like, you don't have to freak out about Thank that. God. Um, a lot of people are upset about the proposed revenue split. It was like for 50, YouTube. 55% or something? Right. 55% of the revenue split 
goes to the content creators and people are saying, oh, on Spotify, it's 70%. Spotify is um, not storing video. Right. That's what you have. <laughs> like, remember, this isn't 55% of profits that they're making. It's 55% of revenue. See, and so some of that, so YouTube, I would imagine, spends more money to store video than um, uh, yes. Spotify does to store audio. And, you know, we'll see how the payouts actually work because I'm sure, you know, we're not seeing all the little math algorithms that go into payments. But yeah. 55% of revenue doesn't seem inherently what, unfair to me. Did you? Did anybody ever know what it was before? For YouTube? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't make millions of dollars on YouTube. I wonder if the people that do make millions of dollars know what their actual split is, you know? Right. And even if it was, and, and the other thing about 55%, it's, it's actually better than the 70 on Spotify, particularly if you're signed to a record label. <laughs> Way better than the 10% right. from your record label. <laughs> exactly, because you're not getting the 70% from Spotify. The label's getting most of that, and they're paying you a tiny piece. Yeah. Like, maybe you're getting half. I've seen some deals where you get half of the of what Spotify pays if you're an artist. I've seen record deals where they treat it like a royalty on a record, so you only get, you know, the 10% or the 15%. And really, you don't get any of the money because it's all recouping the label's cost to make your album and market your album. So, you know, you're not making any money off Spotify. But if you're an independent cre- content creator on YouTube, you actually could see that 55% exactly. at and, some point in your life. And who are some of the larger owners of Spotify? Record labels. Your goddamn record label. That's <laughs> ar- <laughs> You can't take money off both ends. But they do. <laughs> Not only uh, do the record labels own Spotify, which does seem to create a conflict of interest when (laughs) Spotify negotiates with the record label to say what, figure out what the terms will be, but the major labels also have, and uh, this has been reported in websites like The Verge, so like, you know, I'm not, you know. We're not making this up. Yeah, I'm not making this up. (laughs) The record, wow, so we're talking about Spotify now, we've just completely left YouTube red. Yeah, whatever. Well, so the deal that Spotify has made with the major labels to get all of that major labels material into Spotify, in addition to giving them shares in Spotify, I think they each own like 7% or something. Um, The other thing that the labels are getting out of the deal is they're working out these special sweetheart deals where uh, the major labels get like a chunk of advertising revenue um, off the site and get to skim that off the top before the labels, before the artists get paid through the label. So they're, they're skimming revenues off the top before artists get their share. And again, this is all like the. Uh, you Should know, the, there be laws against this? You would think. <laughs> You're the lawyer. Um, I mean, yes, they're like. Well, you could. I'm waiting for the. In fact, I shouldn't say I'm waiting for the lawsuit. The lawsuit's already out. Okay. Nineteen good. recordings has sued a major label because they're saying that this, um, this strategy. Yeah. <laughs> this strategy. Dual, That's this, a way to put it. Yeah. This dual ownership. Um, skimming off the top is a breach of fair dealing, yeah. you know, which is implied in every contract as a duty to fair deal. Um, and so, I mean, you know how long these lawsuits take, like yeah. it's, you know, you know, it will, will be old and gray and possibly dead before it ever gets resolved. But yes, to answer your question, there are people who think that this seems squirrely, so to speak. I've, Spotify has never sat well with me. It, you know that. I mean... Are you just not big on like the streaming in principle? No, no, or? no, no. Streaming is the only way we're going to get music in the future. And I'm totally down with that. And I'm not against that at all. But the artist has to make some money. Yeah. <laughs> and it's never... I read a great article. I think it was in Rolling Stone. Uh, where I forget who wrote it, of course. But there, this guy was saying that the 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 moment in time where you had millionaire artists and billionaire artists, like that's that's coming to a close. You know, like there may be still a few pop stars out there, but like with the past 50 years where some artists like 
made a huge living and were making tons of bank on, on all these recordings, um, that might not, that's not going to carry into the future. You might have a lot, you may have way more artists that are making way less money. Hopefully they're still getting by, but right now they're not getting by. So we have to fix the model that Spotify has put forth because right now it's just, it's just ridiculous. Well, hopefully as more people, cause I mean, I mean, you see all the same news articles I do where you yeah. get like some above average of in fame indie artist shows her Spotify check where it's, yeah, they, they, they spun my record 28 billion times and I got 11 cents. Right. Like you've seen these all the time. Or like Pharrell got four grand for happy all summer, you know, right. something like that. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons as to why that happens. Yeah. One of them is, you know, a lot of these artists write the songs with co-writers. And yeah. so it's getting it's split, split, a bunch of ways. split a bunch of ways. A lot of them have record labels. So the record labels getting their cut. Publishers are getting their cut. Um, the other thing about it is songwriters in general tend to get screwed by streaming services. Okay. Um, it's sort of like the opposite of terrestrial radio. In terrestrial radio, the songwriters do well and, and the, the recording artists, artists screwed, do yeah. par- poorly. In the world of streaming, it's the opposite. You know, in the world of streaming, the recording artist has sound exchange royalties. Right. And that's, you know, yeah. And the songwriters, they tend to get the shaft. They get paid some money, but the numbers just don't seem to work out for songwriters that often. The other reason why you're not seeing as much money in these services yet is there are still people who are transitioning from being ad, ad tier Spotify mm-hmm. to monthly payment Spotify. And I think once the consuming public eventually fully transitions to this mindset of, okay, the way I'm going to listen to music is I'm going to pay an amount of money every month and just enjoy all the music I enjoy. Once the consuming public, you know, transitions to that on mass, then you're going to start to see, then you'll see the, better dollars yeah, in there. The, the trickle down economics are going to come. No, dude, you know, no, no. Well, Spotify and, and, pays like nine and a half million dollars a month in rent. <laughs> you know how they can afford that? Trickle down economics. That's how. Well, no. Well, no. You also bring up a good point. Like there are some problems with the royalty calculation structure that yeah, need to be fixed. Yeah. And in theory, the next, you know, they they call it the next great copyright act. The next time Congress right. gets off their butt and actually does something about copyright law, that this, you know, the way that streaming is handled and the rates that are paid out, that's one of the things that's in the crosshairs with Congress. Yeah. But all that stuff makes me nervous though, because every time. Congress gets together and fiddles with the Copyright Act, they tend to only do things, you know, they do things that, you know, change copyright laws, but they only seem to help the big businesses, the record labels, the movie studios. They don't really do that much to help independent artists. They don't do that, you know, these, these copyright acts, you know, they'll, they'll extend the term of copyrighted works to, you know, to like over, you know, life of the author plus 70 years or like 120 years if it's a work for hire, whatever it is, which is really great if you're going to live that long, if you're (laughs) Disney, like that's a great, but like, you know, for somebody like Kelly Seidel, who we're going to be interviewing in the next segment, you know, that doesn't really help her that much. Yeah. And it would be nice to see some copyright laws that actually helped the little guy or little gal in the case of Miss Seidel. And, you know, hopefully that's what we'll be seeing going forward. You know, who knows? I mean, I'm, I used to be all gloom and doom about this because the last, the the album that I put out for the Big Tasty, which was the name of the band and the Twitter handle at the Big Tasty, um, right when I put out that album is right when like Spotify got got really popular and i'm mm-hmm. like oh fuck i can't sell this because nobody wants to buy it they're like oh is it on spotify i'm like 
No, it's not on Spotify. Fuck you. Hey. <laughs> I'm holding it right in front of you. Uh, Buy it. Yeah, no, Give no. me money. Absolutely not. I want to listen to it for free or I want to pay a giant company that won't pay you. But <laughs> but so I, at that point, I was like, fuck, I'm totally fucked. Fuck music. Fuck all this. And I never left the industry, obviously. But I was I was really depressed about being a songwriter. But I understand now it's a transitional period. It's going to it's gonna even out. I hope it's got to even out. Otherwise, there will be no more music. There will be no more creators. So That's I'm, right. I'm hopeful. Again, cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was a downer. Not a downer. <laughs> no, Not a downer. Because he's Ca- cautiously optimistic. <laughs> yeah, at least I'm optimistic. Um, cautiously pep- pessimistic. <laughs> well, I, I think what, what I would say is that for artists out there who are making their own albums, Spotify is a must now. It has. Those you streaming services are a must. And so what you do is you, you set yourself, you distribute your music with somebody like TuneCore, CD Baby, Song Trust, somebody who can uh, set you up with those streaming services. Yeah. And... Or, or figure out how to do it manually. There's uh, there are services that can help you with that because that's just the way it has to be now. Yeah. Um, all right. Thanks very much, Evan. Well, we'll be coming. We'll take a quick break and come right back with Kelly Seidel next. Woohoo! Indeed, on the break, the business podcast. Are you an independent artist looking to promote a recent release or crowdfunding campaign? If so, the Break the Business podcast would love to help you out by giving you a shout out on the air. Email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com and tell us about yourself and your project. It won't cost you anything. We're just looking for a way to give back to the artistic community that's given us so much. Again, that's breakthebusiness at gmail.com for a free shout-out. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the podcast. She's a Nashville-based singer-songwriter, originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. Earlier this month, she released her self-titled debut EP. You can find her on her website, kelly-seidel.squarespace.com, and on Twitter at kellyseidel99. Ladies and gentlemen, Kelly Seidel is on the Break the Business podcast. Hello, Kelly. How are you? Hello, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. It is entirely our pleasure. Thank you so much for making the time. We, we've caught you at the right time, Kelly. I love where you are in your career right now because there are a lot of indie artists out there who are right now in that early stage of their career where they're making a lot of YouTube videos you know, just making a lot of little home recording projects. Yeah. And a lot of YouTube videos. A lot of them. So many of them. Yeah. And... And they're always kind of wondering, when do I make that jump? When do I make the transition to do that first studio project? And we have Kelly Seidel here who just finished her beautiful sounding studio EP that's self-titled. And we, you know, we're going to get you and talk to you about it. And hopefully by talking to you, we're going to give artists some insight on when they might be able to make the same jump that you did. So if you could tell us a little bit about the EP and what kind of songs uh, the people who will be uh, buying it are in for. Yeah, um, the EP has five original songs, and um, these are songs that I wrote right after moving to Nashville. And so all of them um, are ones that I had written here, and it was it was a project that I wanted to do mostly because people were asking for it. And I had gone a really, really long time doing the YouTube videos and doing the covers, and I would post a, you know, a random original, and then I would do a SoundCloud original, and I, I realized finally people were asking for my original music, and I think that was what made me make the transition, and think, okay, like 
it's not just me wanting to, you know, be on iTunes. It's me putting out something that people are asking for and that people really want. Um, and so through social media and through, um, you know, YouTube and different platforms, people were finally contacting me regarding this music. Um, and so I made the transition and made the decision that I wanted to put out songs that I had written by myself. Um, none of these songs were co-written. They were all wow. ones. That, wow. Yeah. And so that was, that was one of the major decisions for me too, because not only do I want people to hear these songs like fan wise, but I also wanted it to be things that I could send to a publishing house or send to, you know, show to a random record person that I, that I would meet out, you know, when I was networking and I wanted it to be something that was solely me and that was my sound and my lyric and my story and that whole thing. So that was, that was really why I made the transition was because people, people wanted it and people were finally asking me for it. It's really refreshing to me because I feel like a lot of bands and, and singer songwriters, their first EP or their first like real recording, which mm -hmm. sounds great by the way, Kelly, Thank um, you. Their first, it, it's like a, it's songs that they've written for the past fifteen years. So when yeah. you say you get to Nashville and then you write the EP, that's amazing because then you can capture that whole moment for you on one, you know, one audio recording. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, that was that was, what was so because I've been writing songs for for years. Like I've I started writing when I was a freshman in high school. So it it's been a long time, but I wanted this to be to be a recent project where where. I, I had moved to Nashville and I really started honing my craft and that was what I wanted people to hear. I wanted people to hear the Nashville Kelly. So that's what they got to hear. So I'm excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about how you were able to f uh, put this project together. It's not an easy undertaking, you know, studio recordings. They take a lot of, you know, they take money, they take resources. You need a lot of people to help you out. Uh, a lot of artists resort to crowdfunding to sort of make a lot of these things happen. A lot of them save money. A lot of them network. Uh, how how were you able to make this project happen? Yeah. Well, I had been – this project has been a dream of mine for a really long time. And so when I was younger, my – it was so – awesome because it's it's been a, like a dream for a real long time and my friends had even when I was 16 they made me an EP fun jar and so the funds I've been saving for this for a long time and so I wanted it to be something like I said I wrote all the songs I wanted it to be something completely out of my pocket that was kind of a gift to the fans and people who have who've been asking for it and so it was something that I had saved for for a really really long time wow. um, and Classic so, band fund. I love that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, tip jars. So, um, <laughs> but I had been, the biggest struggle for me was finding the right producer. And since I moved to Nashville, I would, you know, I'd ask around and I would, I would send different demos and they would, they would um, make like a mock track and they would send them back. And it was never, it was always somebody who was trying to tweak a sound or trying to say, maybe you should do these lyrics instead or this, this and that. And it was never somebody who was just on board. And I'm always like taking constructive criticism, but I never, I wouldn't ever want to work with somebody who completely wanted to change what I was going for. Um, and so that was the biggest struggle for me. And so one night I was at a show, um, my friend was playing a show here in town and she was she said anyone who's looking for a producer this is my producer his name is Jake Jones 
and he was playing guitar for her that night. Um, and so I was like, whatever, like, I've talked to so many producers, like, I'll just give it a shot. And so after, um, after the show, I went backstage and I like, I gave Jake my card and we just kind of talked and he said, well, I've never worked with a country artist before. Like I, he, he had worked with one person before, but it was just on one song. And so he had never done a complete country like EP or album. And I was like, this is it. This is the guy because there was nothing in his past that was going, he was going to say there were no comparisons and there was nothing. Well, we did it this way before, or we did blah, blah, blah. Or like this person was better at this, or this person had better songs or whatever. It was just, it was starting fresh. And he was so, he heard the songs and he was so passionate about it immediately that it was such a relief for me that I had like found someone that I could count on to make these songs what I wanted them to be and to find, to help me find my sound. And he was such like an instrumental part in this whole process. And I, I owe a lot to him. Like it was for me, that was what made this project so great was finding somebody to work with, um, you know, that was, that was on board. And it was really cool because we, we did everything in house with him and it, he is in a band. Um, so he had his own two, studio. He had his own studio. And so on top of that, he was in a band. And so we didn't technically have to pay for any musicians because you'd just be like, Hey man, come in and play this guitar part or like come sing background or like do all this. And so it just worked out perfectly because they were they were all there it was great i just owe a lot to them they're just the best so so do you have any good studio stories you know when, you, when you're in a room with so many different people for so long like funny stuff has to happen right oh my gosh let's see um well it's it's really funny because one this might not be funny to you guys but it was funny to me at the time because my roommate um who is also a vocalist came in and sang background on one of the songs and she, it's funny because Jake's band is like very hardcore rock and they're, they're a Christian band. Like they're awesome guys, but like you see them and you're like, whoa, like these guys are really intense. Like this is, they're really hardcore. And so my roommate came in and she's from Alabama, like Southern, Southern girl. And the lead singer of the band and my roommate started talking about Southern gospel music and they were talking about it for like two hours and they were so intense about it. And I'm just thinking, looking at him who like, you would never know he listens to Southern gospel music and looking at Grace, who is like the epitome of a Southern belle. It was just, it was so entertaining for me and Jake to watch it happen. They found common thinking, ground. Yeah. Yeah. These two would never be friends, but this <laughs> is great. Like they're, it was just so, so funny, but so that was that was my favorite memory looking back thinking this is so random but this is awesome i love the out of genre producer and out of like genre elements making her country record it's like shania twain and mutt lang minus the crippling divorce (laughs) exactly it's awesome it's great (laughs) so uh what what would you say was the biggest challenge you faced uh in making this record whether in the studio funding it um anything in that process um Probably for me, it was picking the songs um, because, and I know, I know that sounds 
like it probably isn't that big a deal but for me <laughs> totally we, is. <laughs> totally. But, oh, yeah. but for me, my, my yeah. co-host is a musician and he's uh agreeing i'm, I'm also a songwriter yeah i've cut so yeah. many songs from records <laughs> yeah well it's, it was so stressful because we went in with seven songs and i i had my heart set on these seven songs and then after we recorded and like we were in the mixing process I had a meeting with um, a representative from a publishing house here in town, and they said seven songs is too many. And I guess in my head I should have known seven songs was too many, especially for an EP. But I, ha- I was so excited, and I didn't, I didn't have enough funds to make a whole album, so I was like, seven songs would be great. And then they were like, no, se- no one's going to listen to seven songs. Like, if you, like, turn them into, like, a company, no one's going to listen to seven songs. And I was like, oh, I should have known this. And so then it was really hard to cut them down because I had an attachment to all of them them and i wanted like the perfect ones and then having to pick the order that they were going to go in that was just a very stressful process for me yeah nobody ever cuts songs before you record it it's always something you do after you spend the money (laughs) right yeah exactly um so but i don't know i think it turned out okay so we're good (laughs) Um, i I could not agree more with that and uh we'd love to play one of the songs from the record right now Uh, this is uh, static off your EP. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, Evan and I were listening to it before the show. We were digging it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, not a huge country scene here in Miami, Florida, but no. um, <laughs> we appreciate good music wherever we find it. And uh, this was uh, terrific to listen to. So we're going to play this for everybody now. Thanks for letting us play it. Uh, this is yeah. Static off of Kelly T- Seidel's self-titled EP here on the Break the Business podcast. Static drowning out your voice I can barely hear you asking me to stay There's a line you crossed and you don't know How to get back to yesterday Wanna know what a name is Wanna know if she loves you Young and so are we, so what you say we go get lost on the back road. I wanna know what you told her if I
Yeah, hit the applause button. Yeah. Oh, okay, here it is. There, yeah, it is. there you go. That was Static by Kelly Sedell. Nice job, Kelly. Thank you. It's a great tune. That it was a, it was a great tune. A nice a nice ditty. <laughs> <laughs> it's industry speak, Ryan. Sorry. Well, well I know you, you, you great tune. You, you called it a tune, so I had to come up with another funny word for song. Ditty. Yeah. <laughs> That was terrific. Kelly, um, thank you again for letting us play it. Um, before we let you go, do you have any other advice for uh, indie artists out there, either about recording or just you know anything going on in their career? There's a lot of folks in your position um, who might be struggling, who are trying to figure out how to get to the next level, and um, any insight you can provide would be very much appreciated. Yeah, um, I think I, I have two, okay? Um, one of them is learn how to be a songwriter when you don't need to be a songwriter. Like, and what I mean by that is my, the biggest hardship that I experienced after moving to Nashville is I had always written songs for me and written songs about my life when I needed to, either when I was going through a breakup or when I, you know, was experiencing something emotional and I, I needed to write a song for myself. But moving here and trying to pursue it as a career, my biggest piece of advice that I have learned is learn how to be a songwriter on command. You know, you're not always going to be going through something and you're not always going to necessarily even feel inspired. And you need to be able to hone your craft um, in a way that is marketable. I've heard that's a big um, part of the Nashville songwriting experience is you just yeah. get in a room with people and it's okay, time to write. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and a lot of times you'll you'll get in a room with people, and co-writing is the coolest thing on the entire planet. Like, it is, it is amazing that like you get in a room and then you leave, you know, two hours later with this with this song that you you may not have even known the people before that, and it's you know somebody, like it may not be about you uh, about you, and so that was the hardest thing for me was that. I'm not always going to be feeling something to make me want to write a song. And so, yeah, you have to sit there and think, okay, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the character in the song. And that, that was the hardest thing for me. So that's piece of advice. Number one, but number two is find someone that respects your craft as it is now and doesn't want to change you. Um, like I said, my producer's name was Jake Jones incredible guy um and he didn't he didn't want to change who i was as, as an artist and as a songwriter and as a vocalist and i think that that's really important is to have someone that believes in you without wanting to change you that's great so, stuff yeah and uh it was interesting what you said about on your first piece of advice about songwriting and, I, and i'd love to go back and probe that a little more because that yeah. was interesting one of the things it sounds like one of the things that you did to kind of teach yourself how to write on command more is that you mm -hmm. you saw yourself sort of as writing for a character, yeah, and like getting into the shoes of somebody that that's it can you can you tell, talk a little bit about yeah. that? I've never thought of songwriting that way before that's cool, yeah, well, I mean for me, like I said, songwriting was always. I don't want to say a selfish experience, but in a way it was because I was always writing for me and I would share the songs, but they were, they were my songs. But at the same time, when you, when you especially go into a co-write and if that other person is going through something, you have to put something in their shoes. Or if you're just writing, if you, a lot of times I'll see someone on the street or I'll overhear a conversation in a coffee shop when I'm, you know, sitting by myself and that's going to spark 
a song. And so I have learned that you have to always look at it from another point of view and always be able to view things from the other side when you're not necessarily going through it. Um, and so I think, I think that's a really important aspect when you want to pursue songwriting as a career and have to do it every day, because every day, if you're writing about the same breakup, it's going to be the same song over and over. So you have to write about other people once in a while. <laughs> Outstanding. Hey, Kelly, <laughs> uh, thanks very much for being on the show. Again, that's a self-titled AP yeah, EP so by Kelly Seidel. Um, we'd love to have you on again real soon. Please don't be a stranger. And um, best of luck with the EP going forward. Great. Thank you so much. All right. We'll be back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. All right. Uh, I want to laugh. So, you want to laugh? Yes. But we talked about YouTube in the first yes, segment, right? we were talking about YouTube in the first segment. This is what YouTube's for. <laughs> they could have launched their subscription service with this as an exclusive, and 90% of the people in the world would do it. This is the internet. <laughs> I should probably explain. Cecilia with the mumps. See, here's what happened. Like, I was ready to give, give like, this whole preview and, like, explain what this clip was. But, like, you you just came in, like, you know, guns blazing. I'm excited. And so I had to play the clip. And now there's no exposition. There's no explanation. I should say this was... Who needs it? Say goodbye. This... We're done. This past week, um, a YouTube creator named Brock Baker, who is a great YouTube impressionist, um, made this video that I've been obsessed with, and I'm playing it on this show for no other reason that I'm obsessed <laughs> with this video. Um, he he's doing Swedish Chef singing Chandelier by Sia, and it it's like my two favorite things because I love Sia and yeah. I love this song. That's it's a great, a great song. song. And damn it if I don't love Swedish Chef. <laughs> Why the Swedish Chef? I, I, I There's so many Muppets, right? I don't know. Here's the thing, man. Like I like to think. I, I, I pride myself on having an above average, sophisticated sense of humor. Sure. Like I don't like I don't just you know, if somebody gets like hit in the nuts in a YouTube video, like I'm not gonna laugh at that. Really? Like, that doesn't no, like I, I, I my my okay. my first reaction is, oh my god, that looked like it hurt. I feel bad for that guy. But it depends how he gets hit in the nuts though. <laughs> okay. Okay. If it's an accident. Like, if he's being an asshole, then he deserves it, and I'm not going to laugh at it. I might probably still laugh at it. I, I usually laugh when people get hit in the nuts. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie. But no. I'm okay but, with this. But no, but like, I'm, like, I'm watching Frasier. Like, I'm, like, that's my sense of humor. <laughs> Sorry. No, I know. No, it's, it's, a, it's a total jerk thing to say. Like, no. I, I am saying that my sense of humor, listeners, is better than your sense of humor. Do you humor. watch Rick and Morty? Uh, yes. Okay, good. Oh. So... But what I'm saying is that despite all of that, that I have the douche sense of humor, every time I hear Swedish Chef, 
just puts you over the edge. I really. lose it. And like I'll be watching the Muppets. Like they have this new show on ABC now, and I'll you know I'll catch oh, is it. That if I'm, good? I haven't watched it's, it. Yet. It's 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 above average. Like okay. I'll catch it when I'm flipping through the channels, and I don't laugh through any of it. <laughs> like I mean I I'll be like, a ringing endorsement. I no I'll identify the fact like I can identify that it's amusing. I'm amused by it. Right. And right. it's nice to see the Muppets, but I don't laugh out loud, particularly when I'm just sitting alone watching it because few few people laugh out loud when they're alone. It tends to be a group activity. Okay. So like I'm, I'll watch it and I, I I appreciate it, but I'm not laughing out loud until Swedish Chef shows up. Every just just lose my mind. And so here now, so I'm gonna play just a little bit more of this uh, Brock Baker. Uh, and you know, go go get to the chorus. Subscribe to, the chorus. to him on you. Okay, we're gonna because we all want the chorus. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty brilliant. That's amazing. That's, that's like, YouTube subscription worthy right there. Please go and subscribe to him on YouTube. Because, <laughs> Yeah. If you're not laughing at home, I'm there's gonna, something wrong with you. I'm going to need you just to talk for like 10 no, or 15 I'm gonna, seconds. I'm going to need him. I'm going to listen to you laugh for 10 or 15 seconds. Well, you're really into this, man. I I've always been a cookie monster guy myself. Oh, he's good too. Yeah, Bork. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. No, but th- like, I'm tell- it's my it's my Achilles heel. Like, I'll be I'll be watching all sorts of like very highbrow funny stuff, but I'm but- telling you that when I hear Swedish Chef, it is a unnatural reaction. Like, I laugh way harder than I should, and like. I can watch the same Swedish chef video multiple times and I know it's coming and so I, know, I know how to get you now. Yes. Yes. Like I just, it, it tick, it's, 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 it's like a tickle. Okay. Like, it's like I'm being tickled. Like I can't control my laughter. Okay. And you can play the same Swedish chef video. Like I can see him, you know, like, you know, you're <laughs> just I'm even making myself laugh. York, York, I, York, York, I York. love that. I love Swedish chef so much. Um, That's what you're trying to say. That's the point of this. Yes. Podcast. Um, and I know that has nothing to do with the music business and playing that video was purely no, no, because I love Swedish Chef. It's on YouTube. Yes. Deal with it. And that's what I'm saying. Like, and this is kind of what I was saying in the first segment is he came up with a creative idea and it's a funny video. And and the video, like the audio doesn't do the video justice because in the video he's dressed up as Swedish Chef. Oh, like, I still haven't even seen it. Cooking stuff. <laughs> and singing chandelier. And and if you can if you as an artist can create engaging youtube content and build your music around it it's another avenue for your music to get out there and you can promote yourself not just as a musician but as a youtube celebrity and you can get your cut of some of this youtube red money <laughs> youtube red i'm money. trying to give advice and talk but i'm just thinking about the chef oh god dude you're a wreck okay okay all right before uh, th- thank you again for uh, being on with us. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. This was fun. So, I missed you, buddy. I missed you too. Uh, gosh, I mean, I, I. It's so selfish of me because I know you know you're with LA. You're in. You're in. You're with I'm LA. With, I'm you're, with, we're like this. You're not in LA. You're with LA. <laughs> yeah. You're in LA. LA's in me with your wife, and you're the two of you are you know 
I yeah, I just follow like, her at Elisa Rock Doctor. Yeah, she's pretty great too. And and when she's she in has town, way more Twitter followers. Than yeah, no, she, than both of us uh, times a, a thousand. But when we if, next time she's in town, I want to get her in here too because she's great. Mm-hmm. And and I I am happy that you guys are enjoying L.A. and having a good time there. Um, but selfishly. And for my own selfish needs, I miss you all terribly. And I know that it's better for you guys to be out in L.A., but yeah. I really, you know, kind of miss you guys. Like, you guys Skype are the best. me. Skype me. Skype. Yeah, we'll Skype. But, okay. you know, but you're also a good hugger, and I can't hug you. I, I am you're, not going to lie. I'm a very good You're hugger. one of the best in the business. That's like, every, like no one. The business one, of hugging. The business of hugging. <laughs> Follow me on YouTube Red Hugging channel. <laughs> Well, if you want, if you want uh, hugging, I don't know if it's that's YouTube red, red. That's red too. Um, now everybody's you're, ev- hugging. Everybody knows. That, everybody knows that you're a major player in the hugging industry. Yeah, clearly. Right. <laughs> um, so normally in this third segment, we you know we sometimes play games. We like the game shows we here. Like the games. Um, and Dave's not here, and I would not dare attempt Dave's as yet untitled game show while he's not here. That would be sacrilegious. Um, but well, here, play I'll, the wrong sound though. I'll, g- I'll give you a little bit of a taste. Wrong, because we all miss Dave. That's perfect. Um, but you know, we we used to you know we used to podcast together back in the day, and we had yeah. some other game shows too. And so we're gonna I'll bring back one of those. Well, this is a game where you order people based on their Twitter followers. Oh, so I'm gonna uh, give you. I know you're not a big Twitter guy. I'm not a big most things guy, so this isn't gonna go well. Just uh, saying. You know, I read through these, and I think you I think you'll probably get these. Oh, okay. These are not like. I'm sure you, you've listened to our podcast before. I have, I have. And you know that when Dave plays the game show... You lose. I lose all, all the time. time yeah. Because it's not about... He's not trying for me to win. He's not trying to make this a fair fight. Who he, the fuck is Fred McMurray? Nobody knows who Fred McMurray <laughs> is. And that's he just fills these things with a bunch of Fred McMurray questions because it's funny when I get them wrong. Wrong! <laughs> and that's what he's trying to do here. But I want to give you a fighting chance, so I don't think these are tough. Okay. But so what you're going to do is I'm going to give you three names, all, all right. people on Twitter... And the object is for you to order them from fewest number of followers to most number of followers. All right. And if you're right, you get that sound. <laughs> if you're wrong, uh, David will tell you that you are wrong. <laughs> he did that once after that. I thought it was part of the. Uh, you thought the of it, You thought it was part of the sound. So every time I thought you edited it down after that, I'm like, wow, that's perfect. <laughs> okay. Mark, Mark, Mark. Mark, Mark. <laughs> Okay. You need a so, button for that guy. I know. Can, you know, we can't have a Swedish chef drop because if we do, like she'll just come to a screeching halt. Yeah, because like I'm telling you, I become unable to focus. Clearly, <laughs> I love that chef. Anyway, all right, hit me with some Twitter names. So Let's here we go. This. Fewest to most, and this is sort of a callback to a previous podcast episode. Brian Adams, Ryan Adams, oh, no, Adam Lambert. Oh. I'm going to give the so, oh, the bottom spot. We're going to go yeah, to the Brian old Brian Adams, Ryan Adams, Adam Lambert. We're going to go to Brian Adams at the bottom. Okay. And then we're going to go to Ryan Adams. No, but he got a lot lately. No, Ryan Adams and then Adam Lambert. Because he was a, um idol guy, right? Yeah, he was the American Idol winner. Oh, few, he won. Yeah, he won. That's no, no, better. no, no, no. Wait, I take that back. Maybe he came in second. Who knows? There are no winners on American Idol. <laughs> America. Not uh, yeah. Simon Cowell's the winner. Yeah, w- w- whatever record label they get signed to, who and siphons not, all their money, is not, the winner. Not Brian Dunkelman. Not Brian Dunkelman. <laughs> wow, that's such a that's a dig. <laughs> that's right a, there. That's yeah, a everybody deep go, reference. Go Google Brian Dunkelman. Yes, Brian Dunkelman, American Idol. Well, we did not just make that name up. Although I would not be surprised if you thought that we did. I I kind of want to get him on the show. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so you said Brian Adams, Ryan, Ryan Adams. Adams, Adam Lambert, uh, judges. 
Woo-hoo! Yeah, good start. I usually don't do well at these things. Um, no, that was. I, I think that's because you. I think you got that one right because you were paying attention to pop culture. Because I, I would say probably before the Ryan Adams 1989 came out, he probably would have been behind Ryan Brian Adams because Brian Adams is probably a, objectively a bigger star than Ryan. Yeah, in a certain audience that maybe doesn't use Twitter so much though. That's why you get uh-huh. the old guys. The old guy. Sorry. But I mean, Ryan Adams is an old. He's been around a while too. Not as long as Brian Adams. Right? I don't know. I, I kind of want... Well, How old is Ryan Adams? Well, because here's the thing. A lot of people think that Brian Adams has been doing this since 69 because he wrote Summer of 69, <laughs> but that didn't come out in 69. No, clearly, but... Like, no. he was probably like three when the actual <laughs> six Summer of 69 occurred. He's still older than Ryan Adams. All right, here we go. Next one. All right. One for one. Yeah. Nick Carter. Oh, God. Aaron Carter. Oh, fuck. Sean Carter, a.k.a. Jay-Z. <laughs> Jay-Z. Well, we're going to put Jay-Z at the top. Okay, oh, maybe just, maybe, we're gonna go the other yeah, way. Yeah, we're going on. Okay, however you order them, I'll it, figure it out. A tie for zero with Nick and Aaron Carter. They both have zero followers. Zero followers. That's <laughs> probably not accurate. I don't know. I, mean, I don't. I don't if know the I ha- if I have like 170 followers, they have to have at least like 100. We can all agree. Damn, you have 170 followers. <laughs> Baller. <laughs> That's not. Shut up. <laughs> That's more than me. Fuck. Is it um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but like, here's the thing, though. I dropped another f bomb for you. Yeah. Right. Here's the thing. I'm trying. <laughs> That's true. I'm tweeting regularly. I actually had to look it up. I opened my Twitter app for the first time in months just to see how many followers I had. It was gross. Yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm working very hard to build my followers. And, you know, you. when's the last time you've tweeted anything? March. Yeah, so... <laughs> I'm, I'm, the, the tweeted something original was March. We do a lot of retweets and, and, oh, okay. and replies. I still, get, I still get yelled at on Twitter. I just don't do a lot of yelling. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, so Nick Carter, put, Aaron Carter. So Nick Carter, by the way, Backstreet Boys. Right. Aaron, Aaron Carter, Carter, his little brother, okay. not in the Backstreet Boys. Um, equally talented. That doesn't say much about either of them. No, not at all. We're going to put Nick Carter at the bottom, Aaron Carter in the middle, and Jay-Z on top. So Nick Carter at the bottom, Aaron Carter in the middle, Jay-Z on top. Mm-hmm. Judges? Oh, Wrong. Oh, oh, sorry, it was close. Should have gone with the boy band. Nick Carter, five hundred and sixty-two thousand followers. That's that's a few. <laughs> Isn't that a little surprise? <laughs> I was a little surprised. I by know. That. Aaron Carter, a paltry four hundred and seventy-seven thousand, uh, which is also pretty. High. Yeah, also pretty pretty good right there. Wow. But um, and of course Jay Z, three point two two million, which is funny because he doesn't really tweet. Why would you? Like. In fact, he's not even listed as Jay-Z on Twitter. I think it's just he's like Mr. Carter from Brooklyn, New York. And he's got 3.2 million followers. Is he never it verified? Tweets. Yes. Okay. No, I had to make sure it was actually him. I had yeah. to do some sleuthing. And I don't think Beyonce is on Twitter either. If she does, she hardly tweets. Like, the Carters just aren't tweeters. Not that they have to be. I'm sure when an album comes out, they drop some tweets. Yeah. You know? That's, that's true. I mean, I, I think that's how they dropped uh, the last Beyonce LP. That was just was all just a... Twitter-driven. There you go. There was no pre-release promotion for that. Yeah. All right, so you're one for two, so we'll let this be the tiebreaker. Okay, good, good. All right. And I think there's an artist that you like on here. Oh, uh, well, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, Bruno Mars? I like Bruno Mars. All right, yeah, so yeah. Bruno Mars, Britney Spears. Oh, damn it. Okay. Damn it because, damn it, I love her so much? Or No, no. <laughs> and Rihanna. Ooh. Bruno Ooh. Mars... Britney Spears, Rihanna. Britney Order Spears, them from Britney fewer, Sp- fewest to most. Oh, God. Are they all close? Or is one of them absurdly low? I mean, they all have Twitter... Oh, okay, this is kind of a nice clue here. They all have Twitter followers in the seven figure. No, eight figures. 
One, two, three, four, five. Wow, that's a lot of Twitter yeah, followers. They all have plus 10 million, 10 million plus. See, Jay-Z, if you just tweet some more, we're going to get your social media on lock. You just oh, no. no if, he, if he tweeted at all, he'd Yeah, die. he'd be great. Like, this is what he gets just from no Twitter. That gives you an idea of how, you know, prevalent Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. Jay-Z is. <laughs> um, In case you didn't know, breaking news, Jay-Z, kind of the man. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> does he make vodka, too? Yeah, he does a lot of things. They all make vodka. Yeah. Vodka's gross. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, so this is for all the marbles. You're, you're... I don't like Britney Spears the most, so we're going to put her on the bottom. Okay. And then, who are the other? Bruno Mars and, uh, what's the last Bruno one? Mars, Britney Spears, Rihanna. Uh, but Bruno Mars on top and Rihanna in the middle. That's probably flipped. So it's, you have Britney Spears, Rihanna, Bruno Mars. Yes. Wrong! Damn it. Oh, sorry. Where's Britney on there? The answer is Bruno Mars oh. at the bottom. He was at the Super Bowl. That surprises me. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm a little surprised by that, but the numbers are the numbers. Britney Spears, 43.2. She's second. Bruno Mars had 23.7. And Rihanna at the top, 52 million oh. followers. I, I, I would not have gotten that one had I not been staring at the screen either. Well, that's I, I, convenient I figured, for you. Well, I, I, I'm with you. I would have figured... <laughs> That Bruno Mars, he's kind of the big thing right he now. He was at the Super Bowl. Come on. Yeah. And he's gonna, and, done no Super Bowl. And he's going to do another Super Bowl. What? He is going to be the act, I believe, at this next Super Bowl. Why? Because they got him again because it's Bruno Mars. He just did one. He's doing another one. Do Prince again. Do Prince a thousand times before you do Bruno twice. Sorry? Yeah. You, you want to write a strongly worded letter? I do. Because like, the NFL is so good at fucking NFL. I was about to say, you want to you write a strongly worded letter to, uh, who's it, Roger Goodell? Right. Hey, you know those concussions that you're worrying about? Like, no, no, put that aside. Yeah, we need Prince. We Prince. need more Prince. Prince at the halftime show. You, you, I mean, I mean you got to consider Did you not like Prince? No, Prince was good. He was the best so far, but actually. But I, I, I feel like the NFL has a problem with far too frequently putting dinosaur bands There's at the bit. halftime show. Like there was the year with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. That was boring. As, oh, Bruce Springsteen <laughs> was pretty, no, Bruce Springsteen was all right. Paul McCartney was the worst. <gasps> um, Paul, <laughs> I had a music Paul. business. I had a music business teacher at UF. He's like, anybody see the Super Bowl halftime show? We're like, yeah. He's like, yeah, Paul is dead. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know who that was. Too. I do know who that was. <laughs> it was brutal. Um, no, Prince was the best. And I don't know why you bring, there's, so many artists you could put at a halftime show at the Super Bowl you, before you recycle one. That's ridiculous. But you like Bruno Mars. That's fine. But he doesn't... Why give him to him again? Here's the thing. I don't trust the NFL. And so if you tell me my choices are them using Bruno Mars again or letting them pick somebody else... Well, who would you pick? I mean, if I could have my pick of any artist... Any artist. ...in the world in to the do world. the halftime show... Also, the Rolling Stones, one of the worst ones I've ever seen. Just stop, guys. Seriously. And I'm going to get hate mail for that, but I don't care. Well, I mean, like, are you saying the artist that, like, would fit my own selfish reasons? Because I'd put, no, no, I'd no, put no, some, no. like, you know, I'd put, like, freaking Death Cab for Cutie out no, there no, and everybody would boo. It's got to be a good fit for for the <sighs> Super Bowl. Right. So probably an American artist. Sure. Um, probably it's Somebody with a good live show. Probably something that's going to cater to, you know, middle America. So probably not a rap act. Mm-hmm. Um, I would put the Foo Fighters out there or something. That would be a great Super Bowl See, band. Better than I mean, and I like Bruno Mars a lot. He's very talented. He's also a really good drummer. But no, not again. Well, sorry. Who are they going to pair him with? I'm not going to bring back Red Hot Chili Peppers. Death Cap for Cutie. <laughs> oh God, you got to end the show there. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? I'm going to make you all sad. <laughs> I'm Ben Gibbard. <laughs> Shut up, Ben Gibbard. <laughs> put Prince on. 
All right. Our thanks to Kelly Seidel. Thank you for coming by, Evan. Oh, thank you, Ryan. It was a pleasure. It was indeed for both of us. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Break the Business podcast. Mm-hmm.